Wildfire Podcast is an extension of Wildfire Ministries, an organisation that has a focus of igniting men and women of God into a deeper discipleship with Christ, instilling them with a passion to radically and relentlessly pursue Christ wherever that leads, that God's truth will spread like a wildfire. Hi everyone, welcome back to another podcast. Hi Peter, where have we been? Where have we been? Well, you've apparently been in the hospital. Yeah. But I still think you were faking because I haven't seen any evidence of that. My immune system literally took a holiday and I just welcomed so many different viruses into my body. So I was literally down and out for two weeks. But we're back now and what are we going to be discussing? Today we're going to be talking about Christmas so that'll be relevant for about one week and then no one will listen to it ever again. Yay! Yay. That's actually such a good point. Yeah. I didn't think about that nice until one. now, until you said it. Good. But well, that's okay. It'll be applicable now. now. It'll be applicable now. So it's going to be, this podcast is titled How to Give Christmas to Christ. So we're going to be talking about Christmas, what else? But we all know to the point where it's a cliche that so many things can rival our attention for God in this season and in any season. So biblically, how do we maintain a radical pursuit of Christ that leaves the presence and food as a side thought? In this po- podcast, we will use the life of Jesus to show who we should know, uh, who we are, why we are here and where we are going. Knowing these things will not only help with Christmas, but for every season. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I've been actually thinking about this for a long time. So we're going to be using this as like a micro example to help us in the macro. So these these frameworks, these truths should help with every season and how we should maintain our focus for every season on Christ. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Uh, Jesus knew who he was. Whenever we look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, we clearly see that Jesus had an understanding of who he was. You've got the I Am passages in John. Peter, do you know yeah, uh, so seven, there's seven I Am passages in the book in the book of John where Jesus goes through and says, I am the bread of life. I'm pretty sure we've actually talked about this in the podcast before, but uh, I am the door, I'm the good shepherd. And each of these is just mirroring something that uh, from the tabernacle in the same order. And it's just the final one uh, is I am that I am, which is the name of, of God in the Old Testament, so Christ is claiming deity. But we know from these seven I am statements that Jesus very clearly knew who he was, if anything else, that we can yep. discern from that. Exactly. And then you've got like John ten thirty. it says, I and the Father are one, or John eight fifty eight, where it says, before Abraham was, I am. And what is the significance of Jesus saying, I am, quickly? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, so I am is just Yahweh in uh, Hebrew, which is God's name. Uh, I am that I am, which is what whenever Moses asked uh, in the burning bush, the angel of the Lord, who will I say sent me? Um, God says, I am has sent you. Um, so God is defined by himself um, to be all that he is. It's, mm. it's, it's like we can't really get our heads around it, but that's the name God's chosen is Yahweh. Yeah. Actually, big term. It's called tetragrammaton. I have not heard of that one before. Yeah, so I believe tetragrammaton is the I am statement. So it's Yahweh, okay. as you just said. Uh, then you've also got John five eighteen, uh, where Jesus is basic. He's even calling like he's got he's calling God his own father. Uh, which is making himself equal with God. That's why the Pharisees wanted to kill him. Uh, or you've got John 10, where he says, I and the Father are one again. He says in John 4 that I am the living water. In John 8, he literally says, I am. And then you've got those seven I am statements that we talked about. How Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. How he's the true vine. So Jesus clearly had an understanding of who he was. So tell us a bit more. Like, Is there significance to understanding who you are, your identity? Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. The significance of that? 
Well, identity is the whole the whole topic topic of today's world. Like, you have the vice president of America. Not to get political, this is just a fact. Joe Biden said before he went into office that he was going to pick a black woman to be his vice president. So he's picking someone based on their gender and their race. So that just shows how big a deal it is. Whenever the, one of the highest offices in America is chosen based on someone's identity. So identity is talked about all the time today. There's so many clubs and universities that are just around how you identify or what sports you identify with or the pers- the characteristics you identify with. Um, these things are just uh, naturally talked about. And uh, like you can see why, because if you don't know who you are, you have no idea where you're going in life, where you've come from, and then you you really get your purpose of life from your identity. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you, you are confused, you're about your identity, you're going to try and derive your identity from so many different things. You can derive your identity from a specific person. You can derive your identity from a relationship. And of course, the obvious thing to do is to derive your identity from materialistic or physical attributes. So what is my gender? What is my sexuality? What is my race? These are things that are are literally obvious to us. And whenever we don't know where to go, we go to these obvious things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But of course, we all know that, that placing our identity in that is misplaced like it's important that we do not reduce our identity down to gender race a talent anything that is of self our money our family if your identity is being placed on temporary things uh, then there's always the possibility that those temporary things can disappear and so with it your identity that you had rooted within it and it's not in galatians is it, uh, you, you can correct me if i'm wrong i think it's in galatians where it says there's neither male nor free slave nor female um for all who are in christ jesus yeah. So those, those things are worthless now because yeah. the most important identity you can have is to be in Christ. Yeah, Galatians 3, 28 there says you. that. And you but, you do it. <laughs> but that is not, people go uh, like a step too far. So yes, we're, we're unified in Christ in salvation. That is our identity. But that then does not mean that that their verse can be used to basically create some hermaphroditic state. That is to say that gender and race doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So you can create your own gender your own race. Yes, yeah, they're real things, but they're not what's most important. Yes, that's the point. our identity is in Christ alone. Yeah, so what, what is our identity look or what should our identity look like? Well, it depends on two things. Number one, if you're saved or if you're not saved, because your identity is going to look very different depending on where you're at. Are you restored or still broken? Are you redeemed or unredeemed? Before Christ, uh, that transformation needs to take place if you're a sinner. Uh, you're described as a child of wrath, a child of the enemy, as we partake in the nature of the enemy. In John 8, it talks about how the devil is, that is his nature, his nature is to lie. And so whenever we sin, whenever we lie, we partake in the devil's nature as such. We are children of the enemy, children of wrath. Uh, And so that is where our identity is. We are this broken person who is in need of a transformation, who is in need of salvation. Uh, Sam describes it so beautifully, I think, when David says that I am a broken pot. But then elsewhere we see uh, different passages where David has come to understand his identity in salvation. And that's where his praise comes from. And there's this here Japanese tradition called kintsugi, where they take broken pots uh, and then they basically dip them and refine them in gold to mend them and put them back together. So not only are they restored, but their their value is increased. So it's the same with us. We too are broken pots, but Christ takes us and he partakes his His nature onto us. And so not only are we restored, but our value is increased. So in Christ, it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. Everything that is good is Christ. He is our identity. 
He is the eternal focus and the eternal purpose to which we set our eyes upon. Mm-hmm. And there's so many other identity passages that we could probably go through that we're not going to, such as 2 Corinthians 5, where it talks about how we're new creatures, or 1 Corinthians 6, where it talks about how we're holy temples, 1 John 3, where it talks about how we're children of God, and in 1 Peter 2, Revelation 1, it talks about how we're a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, people for God's purposes. This this is the starting point, the gospel, understanding that as a sinner, what is our identity? And how we're always going to look to other things to fill that identity. But in Christ, our identity is him and him alone. And it's that, that is what we root ourselves in. And we should hold true to those passages. And so the same way Jesus knew who he was, we too should know who we are. Mm. And understanding this truth will help us to keep our focus, to keep ourselves grounded, not only in the season of Christmas, but every other season. Yeah. So we already dis- discussed how like Christ knew his identity. Why, why was he here? So Jesus was laser beamed in his focus. Jesus knew exactly why he was here. He was not going to be dissuaded by the expectations or the plans of other people. Jesus was resolute and unwavering in his task. In Matthew five seventeen, it says that Jesus, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but fulfill it. Or in John, John 17, it says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that thou hast given me to do. In John 18, 37, it says, For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Or in John 5, he says, This is the will of the one who sent me. Or in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Your will be done. Or in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, it says, Not my will, but yours be done. Mark's Gospel particularly is so good for this, uh, because it's literally just this chronological event, chapter after chapter. It's, it, it sort of illustrates that Jesus almost had no rest except for the specific times where Jesus illustrates the importance of it. But it's almost like Jesus knows exactly where he's going, who he's going to meet next, who he's going to heal, who he's going to teach to. Uh, Jesus had a firm understanding of what the will of God is. And I love I love John 18, 37, for this I have been born, for this I have come into the world. It's that understanding that from birth, Jesus knew why he was here. In John 17, there's clearly a work that was given to Christ to complete. And in John 17, Jesus says that he has brought glory on earth to the Father, by completing that work, not mm-hmm. only did he have an understanding of what it was, he also had completed it. Uh, and so Jesus not only knew who he was, but Jesus knew why he was here, what his purpose was on earth. Okay, very good. Um, so from that, we have to understand, do we know where, where we, why we're here, why we're, where we're going, and um, what we should do about it? So... Um, Christ knew these things, and obviously uh, he gets a bit of a pass because he's he's God, so <laughs> he's uh, he can get away with that. Okay, but it's going to take some discovery for us to work out what this is, and that's that's what most people try to do with their lives is work out why they're here. And realistically, if you're an atheist, you're here because Darwin says you need to breed and secure your bloodline. That's pretty much it. Um, there's no higher purpose. There's no point in your life um, beyond your death. Um, beyond just having descendants that's all that darwinism says you are um and your life has no meaning and whereas the, on the other hand christianity that is where true meaning lies because christ has come to ransom you with his blood your life is worth in in uh, in economics something is worth the value that someone would pay for it so if I, this mic here um it's worth whatever someone would give me if uh Luke would give me 50 quid, but someone else would give me 150. It's worth 150 quid. Um, whereas, what's your life worth? Well, it's worth the life of God, of 
of God because um, the Father sent the Son and the Son of God gave his life for you. So that's what your your life's worth. It's worth infinitely more than you could imagine. And then how you put it to use? Well, we have to put it to use serving him. And um, we have to basically glow, grow in our faith and glorify God. Um, as the Westminster Confession says, uh, was the chief end of man um, to uh, to know God and to glorify him forever. Mm. Is, that, is that right? That is it. Yeah. So I think that summarizes it pretty well. Um, it's to know God through through prayer and reading the, his word and to glorify him forever. And again, forever starts here on earth. It's not when we die, but that's when it's fulfilled. It's when we die. We can do it more perfectly than we ever could here. Mm. And so practically then, so we've already done a podcast on this specifically on like what is the purpose of of life. So why am I here? And if you want more on that, then go check that podcast out. Um, but it's basically, as we've already mentioned, it's to know God. And then once you know God, it's to literally grow closer to him and then glorify him. So that is literally the will of God for your life. That is why you're here. Once you know him, how can you grow closer? So you've got to get stuck into God's word. You've got to meditate on that. So establishing a daily discipline for that over Christmas is vitally important. And also establishing a discipline of prayer. Those are the things that's going to get you closer to God. And then glorifying God is... Uh, for Christians, encouraging them, motivating them, uh, being motivated by other Christians, encouraged, uh, chastised, rebuked, disciplined by other Christians. And for those who are unsaved, it's about constantly trying to get those conversations directed towards Christ and offering your life, uh, offering your life as light and salt. Uh, and that's just like a brief snippet into, into why we are here. But again, if you want to know what the will of God is for your life, there's literally a passage that says... <laughs> First uh, Thessalonians 4, 3 to 8, it literally says, for this is the will of God for your life. So if you want to know what the will of God is for your life, just read that passage. And the passage says that the will of God for your life is your sanctification, uh, which is this idea, this process of getting closer towards God. And we do that from reading God's word and praying. And also, again, goes to talk about holding your body in holiness and impurity. But again, read that passage. Again, if you want to know what the will of God is for your life, simply read God's word. Like there's those passages that specifically tell you and get those passages first. Often or not, we go straight to, oh, what is the profession God wants me to be in? What's the relationships? This and that. Those are, are like sub points. You have to get these principles down first. These these principles that are laid out in the Bible. The will of God for my life is to, to know him, to grow closer, to read God's word, to pray. Get these uh, into your life and do it over Christmas now. Mm-hmm. These are the things that will help you focus on, on Christ. Yeah. So we've already done a podcast on that, so we'll not dwell on that any longer. Um, but what's, what's the next thing we need to look at, Luke? So Jesus knew where he was going. We've already talked about uh, how Jesus knew who he was and Jesus knew why he was here. Uh, but Jesus knew where he was going. Uh, the Bible says, uh, or Jesus said, that I am going to prepare a place for you whenever he's speaking to the disciples. He said, today you will be with me at paradise uh, to the criminal on the cross. There is clear clarification here, even at death, even in suffering, Jesus had a firm understanding about uh, where he was going and how he could take people with him. Uh, and then there's Luke 24, which is the ascension, which is literally Jesus going to that place. So it's a really good passage. Uh, and uh, it basically said, in fact, do you want to read it? I've spoken way too much. Yes, yeah, no problem. That's just the passage. Yes. Uh, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. 
and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of, the, of these things. I am going to send you with my fa- what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out of the, out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So, yeah. Jesus had a firm understanding right throughout, whenever you read the Gospels, he was clearly prophesying uh, his life, death and resurrection. And then here we see the ascension, how he's given the disciples a mission, uh, the Great Commission, and how he himself is leaving to to go and prepare that place for them, as he had previously said earlier in the passages. So Jesus had a firm understanding of where he was going uh, like Peter, what's what's the significance of that? Is there significance of knowing where you're going? Like, what's the point in having an eternal perspective? Why not just focus on the here and the now? Well, if Christ is raised from the dead, then that changes everything because it shows there's something else out there. And um, again, there's tons of resources out there for the historical accuracy of the resurrection. And as Christians, we believe that uh, with all our hearts, and we know it to be true. So. If you are a Christian, you'd actually act as if it is true. Because I think a lot of Christians, and I'm certainly guilty of this at times as well, is to know in your head that Christ rose from the dead, but not actually do very much about it. But if he rose from the dead, that changes everything about how we live our lives. We have so much more meaning, and everything we do, whether it's just eating dinner with your family at Christmas, or chatting to your friends at university, or uh, studying for your exams, which is something I certainly struggle with, all of that has a much higher purpose and it has the potential to be renewed in the resurrection. So whenever Christ comes back, we will be lifted up with him. Um, we'll be given resurrection bodies. Um, uh, Paul talks about Christ being the first fruits, first fruits of the resurrection. So we will become like him in our resurrection. And all these things that we do in this earth is it's our training for reigning. We will be reigning over the angels with Christ and over, our new, over this new creation. So now we need to start the training. Train to reign. So this starts with the discipline. And with knowing your identity in Christ and taking what the Bible says seriously, believing what it says, and putting it into practice in your life, uh, so that others can see, so that the church can be renewed and um, transformed into the the body of Christ that it's meant to be, um, so the world can see um, a light in these dark times. And every situation you're in, whether it be Christmas or New Year's, New Year, New Me, and all all that kind of stuff, it's all it's all about giving it back to Christ. Um, your lives, Our lives should be an offering to Christ uh, in whatever situation we're in. Uh, amazing. Yeah, there's honestly so many passages about how the dead in Christ will rise first and then the saints will be gathered with Christ in the clouds whenever he returns. Or you've even got Revelation, which although difficult, the, the base principle that we can take from that is that there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, and that we too are going to reign with Christ, as yeah. you said. And it is this eternal perspective that simply fuels us or acts as a a motivation for us to grow closer to God, for us to train, to reign, as you said uh, now. So, yeah, conclusions are how to give Christmas to Christ or how to give any season to Christ in general is if we look at the life of Jesus, which we're commanded to emulate, as Philippians 2 says, uh, we need to have an understanding of who we are because Jesus knew who he was. We need to have an understanding of why we are here because Jesus had an understanding of why he was here. And we need to have an understanding of where we are going. If you have understanding of those three things, they can act as a real a real platform, a real springboard for you to, you know, attack this Christmas, grow closer to God, glorify God and keep your focus on Christ. And not only in this season, but for every season to come, understanding these things uh, will totally change that. 
Um, do you have anything to say on this specific topic? No further things to say, just Merry Christmas. Brilliant. So, before we actually leave this podcast, this is going to be our last one, like, in this type of environment. Again, this so is a new one, because Christmas... No more, no more Christmas trees, Christmas No more Christmas trees. No more pagan idols in the background. Um, but we usually do them here at my house, but we're going to have a change of location. Would you like to explain that? Yes, we've got a new building for uh, Wildfire, the Wildfire Centre. And it's going to be... It's still getting painted. Well, actually, painting's done, but we're still getting carpets and furniture put in. And from the new year, we'll be recording our podcast in a new building with a new podcast set up. Yeah, new podcast room and everything. It's going to be proper uh, official. Can we And that? we're going to be releasing a, a, a video that's going to explain where that is. And it's going to give you a look and insight into what that building looks like. Because it is pretty pretty epic. It's not just one... It's not just a small little shoe in a, in a side corner. It's yeah. It's not just for us to record podcasts, and it's for actually hosting events. And yes, of course, and we're sharing it with hope to families. So, or they're sharing it with us more like yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yes. So we're going to be coming back. This is going to be the last one for for Christmas for this year, and we're going to be coming back stronger than ever next year uh, in a new building. And we're going to also be getting. It won't just be me and Peter doing the podcast. We're going to be having podcasts from young women's, women's and men's ministry. So we've got six to seven different leaders. We've also got a worship team. So they're going to do a little podcast debriefing on what they are going to be doing. So there's honestly so much. So keep a lookout on all the social medias uh, and you'll be kept updated. Um, updated well. So for this year, it's been a good one. Uh, and we will see you next year. Goodbye. Goodbye. Merry Christmas.